Good morning. Let's do something about that erupt stop, huh? All right, it's good to see you this morning. We are in a series at the movies. How many have enjoyed it so far? I haven't enjoyed the weather, but you enjoyed the series. Well, today we're uh, on a different movie, kind of new for me to, to do an animated movie. We are Incredible 2. How many have ever seen it? Raise your hand. Have you seen Incredible 2? Good. How many have not seen it yet? I don't want to spoil it. Whoa, there's a lot of people who haven't seen it, so I'll try to be as vague as I possibly can. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4 as we begin this morning. Uh, one of the great things about this movie is the, the social issues and the, the relational issues that they are, are dealing with in this movie. I mean, they have the, the, the parenting is fantastic. Wild kids. If you ever had wild kids, you understand this is a great movie to deal with wild kids. And uh, so the family dynamics, the gender roles. I mean, uh, the wife goes to work and the husband stays home and watches the children. And I love his expression. <laughs> you know, they choose Elastic Girl over Mr. Incredible to be the spokesman and to be the hero. And I love his response is exactly like most of us men would respond, okay? Remember how he does that? Just like that. It's just fantastic. And then he has to watch the kids, and, and the way he is dealing with the children is, uh, is priceless. And then the conflict, the identity, uh, all of this stuff in an animated movie. It is fantastic, all right? And, and I, I normally do not like animated movies, but I, I love the, the theme throughout this. Uh, one, of the, one, of the, one of the prerequisites for a good hero movie is you have to have a great supervillain. And in this movie, that, there is a, a, a great supervillain, and that is Screen Slaver. Okay, he, they have the ability, and I don't want to ruin it for you, but they have, there's a twist at the end. You don't know who the bad guy is, but... They have the ability to hack into screens and to literally hypnotize uh, the one watching the screen. And uh, so it's, it's great. Uh, uh, Incredible One was the same way, had a great uh, uh, supervillain there as well. That was Buddy. And uh, he was a, a syndrome. And he was a great uh, villain as well. But both of these two supervillains um, have have almost the same background, okay? The way they became supervillains is, if you remember Buddy, because I, I try to be a little bit vaguer on uh, screen slaver, but Buddy was, was Incredible's number one fan, loved uh, Mr. Incredible. And he'd always show up at the wrong time when Mr. Incredible was busy. And so he kept brushing him off. Finally, he showed up to one of his fights and Mr. Incredible got mad and basically said, I don't want you around, I don't want to see you again, and it hurt Buddy. And so he held this bitterness inside. The same with Screensaver, as you go back and you watch this, you see the same origin of where the bitterness comes from, and the bitterness, now listen very carefully, the bitterness, the unforgiveness, the anger, and the resentment that Buddy had towards Mr. Incredible was the root that developed him into a supervillain. And that's why he hated all the heroes uh, in the movie, all right? So it started with bitterness. 
And what I want to talk about this morning is exactly that. How that unforgiveness, bitterness, and anger, if not dealt with, turns you into, has the, has the potential to turn you into a supervillain. Can I hear an amen? Did you like that application that we're going to roll over here in just a few moments as we look at Ephesians chapter 4? So bitterness has that potential to destroy, it's a component to destroy your life, okay? And everybody hates to be around a bitter person. It's tough. It's difficult to be around a person who is bitter, all right? It's like a porcupine. They have some good points, but boy, it's difficult to hang around them. It's difficult to be near that individual because they're always saying sharp things. They're always nailing you. Now, this is, and and I, I normally don't say this, but this is a great message, all right? Not, a, not, not that I'm preaching great, but it's great truth that every single one of us need to grab a hold of. How many struggle with getting your feelings hurt? Raise your hand. Okay, now there's got to be some more involvement. How many never get hurt? There's two, two people that are lying that are here this morning, all right, that, that are not telling the truth. I mean, we all get hurt. We're in this re- these relationships, and what happens is you hurt somebody or they hurt you. And it, happen- it happens all the time. So we have to deal with this on a constant basis because we are involved in relationships, and relationships are hard. They're difficult because sometimes us men say stupid things. Can I hear an amen? There's too many women saying amen there. We needed more men. Say Amen. All right, so I'm going to talk about how you can, well, right now, how how can you tell that you're a bitter person? I'm going to give you six signs that you're possibly a bitter person, all right, or you're struggling with this. When you look, sometimes I look back at my life and I say, man, I was struggling with bitterness five years ago. But when you're in the middle of it, it's difficult to identify. And so sometimes it's good to have somebody that loves you close by and they can say, yep, that's you. Yep, that's you. Yeah, you're bitter, and you've been hanging on to this for quite a while. All right, because so, it's difficult for us to see uh, uh, what we're really like. All right, so let me give you six thoughts real quickly. Number one, you can tell you're, it's a sign that you're bitter if you talk badly about people. When you talk about people, you're always putting them down. You're talking bad about people, and it's difficult for you to celebrate with somebody that's celebrating. Okay, now listen. When somebody graduates or they have a new baby, uh, do you find yourself struggling to rejoice with them? Or they just got a promotion, they just got a new car, you're just kind of struggling to to celebrate with them? Or, Or maybe they lost weight. And the first thing out of your mind or your mouth is, it won't last. Just watch. These people always put all in that weight. Or it's like, you know, it's like, I wonder what they're doing to lose all that weight. I wonder if they've got a problem. You know, a lot, a lot of these things, uh, uh, um, you just can't be happy for people, you know. Uh, and so, so it's, it's a difficult, you're talking about people all the time. So as you begin this message, grab a hold of that. Do you talk about people badly? Ask yourself these questions. Number two, 
Okay, you're constantly comparing yourself to others, and you get jealous. All right. Now that never happened to me. She's all. She always gets lucky. The world is against me. These kind of people they struggle with self-image. All right. Uh, uh, they compare themselves to other people. Number three, you, you find yourself apathetic. You avoid people. You're enjoying their company less and less. Your investment with your friends are less and less. And you have this, you have this attitude of, nah, who cares? What's the point? All right, number four, uh, you take things personally. Even when it's not about you, you're always taking things personally. Rather than clarifying the situation, you, you're thinking everybody around you is talking about you, all right? There's a possibility that you're struggling with bitterness. Because listen, everything's not about you, all right? You complain a lot. And sometimes you complain about the same thing over and over again, all right? You get this, this bad taste in your mouth, all right? You just had an attitude about yourself. And then uh, last of all, just the sixth sign is you think the world owes you something. These are just some things that possibly can give you a sign that you're struggling with bitterness. Let me just give you an idea here. If you are, if there's a silver lining, if there's a silver lining of bitterness, it is that God is with you, that you are not alone as you go through this, because all of us are going to go through this at one time or another. It's just how we handle the bitterness. So I want you to open the Bible to Ephesians chapter 4, okay? And I want to dive into some scripture. That this is, we're going to talk about our words, okay? And how we are supposed to speak from the biblical stand, standpoint. Now, again, the book of Ephesians is a fantastic book. It's kind of divided up in, into two parts. The first three chapters is really all about theology, okay? It's where God sets forth a great understanding of himself, of Christ, and of the cross. I mean, it just goes into a lot of detail about that. The last three chapters, 4, 5, and 6, is more about practical theology. In other words, how to take theology and actually put it into practice. That's why I call it practice, or practical theology. But the last three chapters are kind of divided up into this way, Okay. Unity of the believers, the walk of the believers, and the warfare of the believers. Now, the ironic thing about 4, 5, and 6, and there's a, talk, it's going to talk about bitterness as we're going to see, bitterness has the potential of destroying all three of those. So it destroys practical theology. Okay? So let's say like, the unity of the believer. Paul's going to jump into the unity of the believer and our unity with the church, our unity with our wives, our husbands, our children, unity. I mean, we need to be unified as a church so we can serve God and reach other people. We've got to have that unity. Well, bitterness has the potential of destroying our unity with our wives, our unity with our children, unity with everybody, but not just unity. But it also has a potential of destroying our walk with the Lord. All right? Our relationship, our fellowship with Christ. Bitterness destroys this relationship. Okay? It eats, it, eats us up like a cancer. And then, of course, the welfare or the warfare of the believer as well. 
In Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about the warfare. Well, bitterness against others and against God can leave us defenseless. Where we can't grab the sword of the Spirit. We can't use all the material that God has given us to defend ourselves. And so we're open prey to the enemy, and he's able to come in and to destroy us and to develop us and take away our testimony and take away our walk with the Lord and literally destroy our whole lives. Satan can do that because we have lost our ability to defend ourselves. And so what I want to do for the next few minutes is I want to dive into 29, 30, 31, and 32. Just break it down, word by word. So I want you to take notes because this is one of those things, listen very carefully, that believers do and it's okay. And yet, it's a sin against God, major sin against God. It's okay to be bitter in our heart because nobody sees it, and, and we can keep it there. And, and, and even when we do say things that are, reveal our bitterness, nobody really points it out. It's not like adultery. It's not like you know, you're involved in affairs. It's not these big sins, so to speak. But it's devastating. It's devastating to your relationship with your spouse, and that's in our, in our relationships with our relationship with the Lord. Okay, so let's read verse 29. It says this, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. All right, so Paul is actually going to start out here talking to us about what we talk about. That's how he's going to start here. I'm going to talk to you about what you talk about, okay? And the first thing he says is everything, nothing should be coming out that's abusive or foul. And the word means corrupt, rotten, or worthless. So here's the question. Are your words helpful or harmful? I'm talking about our, our, our words that we use on a regular basis do our words bring rottenness or decay to people, or do they bring life, hope, and healing? Now, this is, a, this is a question that all of us need to be asking ourselves right now. How do I use my words? And how do I know the difference? How do I know the difference if my words are healing, helpful, or destructive, and rotten? I'm glad you asked, because Paul's going to actually tell us. All right, he's going to tell us. He's going to answer that question. He's going to show us what is helpful and, in verse 29, and then what's harmful by just looking at the opposite. All right? So he gives us three words in verse 29. Okay? Let's look put 29 up there again. Let's, yeah, this is King James. Okay? Because I really wanted King James up there so you can see the, the word. It says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace to the hearer. Okay, so he says, let no corrupt communication. Zero. But, so all our communication should be good, okay? It should be edifying, and it should be with grace. Those are the three things he talks about. Okay, so the word good is interesting, okay? The word good 
means benefit, beneficial. Okay? Your words that you say coming out of your mouth, normally the words we, we bring forth are to benefit us. Okay? Seriously. When we talk, it's always to put ourselves in a great light. A- am I right? We're not, we're not actually communicating to benefit other people. And yet, God's word says, let no corrupt, no uh, 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 rotten words come out of my mouth, but rather that which is benefit. So ask yourself the question, are the words that I'm communicating, do they benefit others or do they tear others down? Do they benefit myself or are they benefiting others? And again, if you struggle with knowing because the Bible tells us that the heart is wicked above all things. And what's the next word it says? Deceitful. <laughs> we deceive ourselves. We think we're this great person when maybe we just need to ask our wives or our spouse. Excuse me. Well, am, I, am I really this good as I think I am? You know, so, so he says good. Secondly, he uses edifying. This is interesting. The Greek word here, it's an architectural word, okay? It's talking about building up the base of the foundation, improving the building by providing what the building needs structurally so it can stand firm. Now, he's talking to us believers. He said our words need to be beneficial. It needs to be, it needs to be something that the person that we're talking to at the moment it needs to be words that actually stabilize them. How many of us ever think of that? It's actually to benefit them, to stabilize them, to encourage them in their walk with the Lord, to encourage them to have a better foundation with their marriage. Now, I know what you're thinking. Yeah, I'd like to tell people exactly what they need so to benefit them. But the Bible says in verse 15 of the same chapter, it talks about, uh, everything we say should be, with, should be truthful and with what? Love. Because truth kills. <laughs> so you need to make the truth palatable with a little bit of love so they'll take the pill. Right? I mean, because some people say, well, I'm just truthful. I just get it out there. Well, that's the way God made me. Yeah, did he? You know, if he's telling us not to do it, did he create you that way so you could do it? I mean, it just... Can I hear an amen? amen. All right, so, so just ask ourselves a question. Everything we say should be building someone's foundation, encouraging them, and not building our own foundation. Right? That's what we do. We communicate in such a way that we build our own foundation and make ourselves look good rather than the one that we're talking to, to encourage them, to strengthen them, to make them a better individual spiritually and to improve their walk and improve their uh, uh, life. Number three, it says grace. Okay? The word grace means gracious. All right? We are to communicate in Write this verse down, then you can go back and look at it. Colossians 4, 6. Colossians 4, 6. 
talks about every word that comes out of our mouth, every word. That's the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Let every word that proceeds out of your mouth be with grace, seasoned with salt. Every single word, not some words, but every single word that comes out of your mouth should be seasoned with salt, with grace. Okay, so great, grace here is graciousness, but it's kind, it's loving. Okay, so every word we say should be benefiting, Help them build their foundation with grace, which means even though they don't deserve it. <laughs> oh, that's a heartbreaker, isn't it? I mean, can't I just rip them? Well, yeah, yeah, you can. But scripturally speaking, you're supposed to be speaking in such a way that benefits them even when they don't deserve it. I mean, we're talking, see, this is, this is a sermon that, that, I mean, we've been, we've been, I mean, at the movies, I mean, doesn't sound biblical, does it? A series. We've been slammed on Facebook because we're not preaching the word, okay? We're preaching movies. I mean, it's just fine. We, we don't care what they think. Amen? Okay, so, so uh, we're preaching the word. Can I hear an amen? I mean, but my point is, this is the kind of sermon that you, you put, you put in the piano bench, Amen? You put in the drawer because this is something we all struggle with. We don't want to be gracious because what happens is as soon as somebody speaks something, we get offended and then the temperature rises and then before you know it, it spews out. That's us. We're human. That's us. Okay? And we fall into the trap of Satan. And so these three things... Paul is dealing with us. Now, notice the next verse, verse 30. All right, let's look at it. Verse 30. It says, and do not bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit by the way you live. Now, we just talked about, we just talked about words. And then in verse 30, he talks about the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 31, he's going to again go back to words. God put the Holy Spirit, do not grieve the Holy Spirit or cause the Holy Spirit sorrow, right smack in the middle of our words. <laughs> All right, so, so the things we say and how we say that we say we build ourselves up and, and we're all about our foundation, not their foundation. We're all about showing grace to us and not them. And we're always showing about good for me, but not them. The Bible says when we're all about ourselves with our words, we grieve the spirit of the living God. We quench the spirit. I mean, we literally cause sorrow to the heart of the spirit of God. I mean, it's right there. Our words cause all kinds of problems. All right? So he, he sandwiches this right in here. Okay? Let no corrupt, rotten words come out of your mouth, but that which is, I mean, let no, let zero, but that which is edifying that it may be minister grace to the hearer. So when you do not do that, you grieve the Holy Spirit. All right. And now he goes into a command. Now, I'm going to come to a conclusion, and we all need the conclusion. All right. But let's, he, he kind of deals with the command in verse 31 and 32, and he uses six words that I want you to see if any of these are you. 
Okay, self-examine your heart. All right. He says in verse 31, oh, let's read it. Verse 31, get rid of all. Now, don't you like that all? I mean, why does the Bible do that? When you go on a diet, do you go through the house and get rid of all your junk food? Or do you, or do you leave the chips and dip? Uh, if there's any chips in the house at all, I'm buying dip. I cannot stay away. Last night, there were some baked chips, and I'm on a diet. There's some baked chips up high, I think, are my grandkids. And I'm watching a movie, and I grab it. And I take it into the bedroom, and me and my dog are eating chips. I mean, it's just wrong. <laughs> Amen? Just wrong. You get rid of, my point is, you get rid of all the junk food, not just partial. So here, the Word of God says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, and all types of evil behavior. So just for the next few moments, let's just dive into these, and, and, and possibly this is a description of you. Number one, bitterness. It's the sour taste in your mouth when you think of that person or you see that person. How many have, have you have a couple people in this town? You hate running across. I know you don't want to raise your hand. Okay. I mean, you just see them. It's that sour taste. And you do everything you can to keep your head down. And to walk a little faster to avoid that person. Maybe this is you. My point is, he says, get rid of all. All. So that, that's that attitude that you have towards that person. It's just a bad attitude. All right? Secondly, he says rage. It is an explosive passion, wild rage. Okay? You quickly rise to the top, and you're a screamer. It reminds me of a husband and wife. Right before they go to bed, one of them just, Wah! and then they wake up in the morning, hi, as if nothing happened. That's this kind of person. It's, it's fast rising, but then it dies out as if nothing happened. Anger, on the other hand, I'm, I'm just jumping into the Greek here. The anger, on the other hand, is an internal smoldering. This is not good. It's a deep feeling of this, this anger that's ready to explode at any time. And because it's this internal, you're an angry person. You just, you just look angry. You're angry all the time because of a situation that took place that was out of your control, but you're just still smoldering about it, and you're just, you're just, just this angry person all the time. And again, if you're struggling with, am I angry all the time? Huh. Ask your spouse. Ask your friend. Ask your enemy. I mean, they will be honest with you. Don't, don't accept your own interpretation of this. Okay, so seriously, a good, when we're done with this, you write these down. When you're done with this, a good thing to do is sit down with your spouse. Seriously, I'm, I'm serious. Say, honey, or babe, or sweetie, the love of my life. Honeycomb? Amen. Honeycomb. <laughs> okay. Honeycomb cereal. You just pile it on. Am I any of these? Pile it on. Am I any of these? And I promise you, well, if they're, if they're, if they're wanting to improve the marriage, they're going to be honest with you. So I'm, I'm just saying, it's, it'd be a good practice for you to do. Number four, harsh words. 
This is the shouting match. This is, this is when you finally bust open, you're out of control, you're yelling. I mean, you're just going ballistic, and it does not quiet down, all right? So, so this is the bitter, the rage, the anger, the harsh words. This is those things that grieve the Spirit of God. And so when you're walking through life, you have no, you have no, no power of God upon you. You're not walking in the Spirit of the Lord. You're, you're running your own life. You're living on your own strength. You're wondering where God's at. He's not going to answer your prayer when you're, when you're like this, okay? That's what the Scripture teaches here, okay? This grieves, brings sorrow to the heart of God. Then slander. This is where you, you're defaming a person. You're really, we're talking about supervillains, right? Everybody with me? I'm not, I'm not, I'm just talking about, you know, cartoons, okay? Let's make it light here. I don't want you to feel, oh, he's really preaching on me, oh, you know. Amen. All right, slander. So, he's, yeah, I mean, this guy's going, he's just on purpose slandering somebody's reputation. And then, of course, malice, evil behavior, okay? This is the last one. On purpose, you're trying to destroy this individual. Now, holy moly, how in the world can I get victory over that? How do I deal with all of this? How do I deal with this bitterness that's in me, this anger, this rage? How, how, do, how can I stop blowing my top all the time? How can, I just, how can I just quit being this angry person? Well, those are good questions because the Scripture, verse 32, and we can't stop there. We've got to go to 5, verse 1 and 2. So the next three verses give us an answer. Verse 32 said, instead, this is really oversimplifying, listen very carefully, instead, be kind one to another. Well, that sounds easy, doesn't it? Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, but are just as God through Christ hath forgiven you. Okay, but then verse 1. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear child. Live a life full of love, following the example of Jesus Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a well-pleasing aroma. So, let me just give you a, a synopsis of what he's saying. How do I deal with all this, this stuff that's in my life? And notice verse 1 of chapter 5. It says, therefore. Go back to verse 1. It says, imitate God, therefore. It brings that verse up to the last chapter. We, we, we put the chapters in our Bible so we can find verses and we can find Scripture. Okay, They weren't really in the original. So this is actually part of chapter 4. And so he says, the answer. Here's the answer. How do I get rid of bitterness? How do I get rid of all of the unforgiveness that wasn't even my fault that my parents did to me or my brother or my sister did to me or my uncle did. To me. How do I get rid of this? Here's the answer. Two words. Imitate God. Now, I'm going to break that down. Imitate God. Imitate God. He gives us three, three thoughts in these three verses. Number one, imitate God. Forgive. Forgive. 
Forgive others as God hath for Christ's sake forgiven you. Forgive. Imitate God. Okay. I have to break that down. I am his dear child, and I am to forgive. Secondly, love. Okay? Love one another. Tenderhearted, loving one another, and forgiving one another, even as Christ for God's sake, or God for Christ's sake, have forgiven you. So first, it's forgiving them. Because you really can't love them until you first forgive them. Okay? God, here they are. This is, this is, this is forgiveness. God, I, I'm bringing Joe to you. I'm bringing him to you. He really, and you just tell God what, what happened, and you just spill your heart to God. God, I'm releasing him of everything he's done. He owes me, he don't even owe me an apology. I am completely writing the bill, paid in full. See, forgiveness is not a feeling. It is a choice. It's a choice. You choose to bring this individual to God and say, God, here. And then if, if that doesn't work, then you go to the individual. You look at him straight face and you say, hey. And sometimes you can't do this because then that opens a can of worms. And then, what did I do? And then all of a sudden, boom. All right? Sometimes you can't. But you try. You go to that person. And then you bring somebody else. I mean, you just go through the process. But the main thing is you write the bill paid in full. Just as God forgave me, I'm I'm, I'm mimicking God. I'm imitating God. Just as he forgave me, I'm forgiving you. And now that I've forgiven you, I'm going to practice loving. What do I mean by that? You put them and their needs. You do what is best for them and not for yourself. And that brings us to the third word. In verse 2 of chapter 5, it says, Live a life full of love, following the example of Christ. What's the example of Christ? He loved us, and he offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. In other words, we don't like this word, sacrifice. Forgive, love, the next level, sacrifice. You do what's best for that person that offended you, that hurts you, and you sacrifice. You become a living sacrifice. In other words, your life no longer is about you. It's about him, and it's about others. See, in other words, every situation you, go, you get yourself involved, imitate God. That's what it says. In everything, everything, follow his example. In everything. Go back to verse 1. Look what verse 1 says again. It says, imitate God, therefore, in what? Everything you do. So when you get in a situation, you have to think, okay, God, what do you want me to do? What did you do in this given situation? I know it's, there's a book out there, and, and there was a movement, oh, what would Christ do and all that, but it's biblical. Lord, what did you do? I want to imitate you and how you treat me. I want to treat others. Well, uh, when I grieve the Holy Spirit, what does he do to me? Does he open the heavens and rip me and just chastise me and spread rumors about me and just poison other people about me? No, God doesn't do any of that. So we imitate that in other people's lives. Now, this is a, this is a step. This is the Christian step, okay? Forgiveness, love, and sacrifice. I mean, you really want to grow? You want to get serious with God? This is it. Uh, you're not even going to understand the book until you take these steps because when you, when you got unforgiveness and bitter, I mean, the words just aren't come alive. 
But man, when you rip this stuff out, when you say, God, this one person, mom, dad, brother, sister, whoever it is that, that, that just keeps coming to your mind as I'm talking, bring them to the altar. And we all have them. Or you just went over this. Because <laughs> we all deal with hurt feelings all the time. I mean, I don't mean to. I don't. But I hurt my wife sometimes. Stupid things I say. How many men are like that? And I hurt other people. Not meaning to. But we're just in this relationship. And we are men. We are. (laughs) I was was searching for a better word. But that really works good. All right. (laughs) Or we don't do what we should do. I mean, there's, there's so much involved here. And, and, and listen, after Easter, we're going to get involved in a series about relationships. And, and it's such a good, I, I'm going over this book, I'm reading this book now. Oh, it's fantastic. And we're going to use it as the basis for our new series coming up after Easter, the first Sunday after Easter. I'm excited about it. But, but here we are, right here. Okay, imitate God in everything we do. So again, God, how do you want me to respond? What do you want me to say in this moment that would benefit this person? That would help them become a better follower of Jesus Christ? A better husband, a better wife. What what can I say at this moment to help them to be forgiving? I mean, God, what do you want me to say? Because I want to imitate you. In everything I do. Now, what I want to do is I'm going to have an invitation, okay? And I seriously want us to just give ourselves to the Lord. Because again, our conversations are normally about good for us, benefiting us, and lifting ourselves and making our foundation good. We need to say, oh God, I want to change my life completely. I really want it to be about you. I want to imitate you. How many, how many here, seriously, raise your hand, but only if you're serious. I want to imitate God. Raise your hand if you're, if you're serious about this. You want to imitate. You want to be a Christ follower. Raise your hand. Lift it up high. Amen. All of us do. Pretty well all of us. So what I want to do is I, I just want to have an invitation as the guys are going to be playing here. I want to have an invitation where we just come and we surrender. First, listen very carefully. First, if there's somebody in your mind, you forgive them. You just take them to God and say, God, I bring them. I'm releasing them. And then after you do that, then you literally, you surrender yourself saying, God, help me in that moment, in every moment to imitate you, to say words that are beneficial to others and not just myself. All right? So let's all stand. Bow our heads. I'm going to have a word of prayer and then we'll open the invitation, open the altars up. You can come and pray with me down here. I'm going to be praying. I'm, just, I'm going to asking God to help me in every, to choose my words, to help me to be more filled with the Holy Spirit, to say things that are beneficial, that are good for others. Father, we come to you this morning. And Father, we pray that as we're thinking about this and meditating on this, that you would help us to understand how important this is to our walk with you. How important this is to to be able to glorify you. I pray this morning that 
those of us that might have bitterness or unforgiveness or resentment, that we would bring them to the altar, give them to you, and we would choose to forgive them, Father. Help us this morning. I pray this morning, Father, that also that after we do that, that the rest of us, all of us would just literally ask you to help us to constantly ask the question, what would you do in this situation? What would you say in this situation? Father, help us to yield our lives to be imitators of you, followers of you. Help us to dedicate our lives to you. In Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you want to come down here with me this morning,